more than a story. On the third day, they went to the tomb and it was empty. There was no body in the tomb, but Jesus had risen from the dead. And he appeared to some 500 people over a span of 40 days to show that he, God himself, has power over death. Yeah, you can say amen to that, right? That's a great story. But for a lot of people, it's just that, a story. It's a cool story. Maybe if you're like me, you grew up hearing it every single year, and it becomes something that's just repetitive. Or for other people, you're like, ah, it's great for kids. (laughs) A good story, but that's all it is. We're here today to learn that Easter is more than a story. I love stories. I think we all do. We love going to the movies, seeing stories. We love TV shows now. There's so many. There's like 500 different TV shows going on right now, scripted shows. There's so many stories. We read books. One of my most uh, favorite recent movies is Dune. Anybody here go and see Dune? Yeah, it was good. I went and saw it in theaters. I loved it. Man, the music was good. Visuals were awesome. So I went home and read the book a second time. I was like, wow, that was a good story. I like that story, but guess what? It didn't change my life. (laughs) It didn't. As good as that story is, it's just that. It's a story. But Easter is more than a story. And what we're going to see today is that Easter is way more than a story because, one, it is true. And, two, it's transformational. And I hope that you're excited for this today. We are going to dive straight into the Gospel of Luke today, one of the accounts of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection And if you have a Bible, you can open with me to Luke chapter 23, verse 50. If you have a phone, you can go to the YouVersion Bible app, and you can actually find our event. If you hit the bottom right-hand corner of that app, it says more, find our event, and you can take notes right there in the app, or you can follow along on the screen behind me. We'll have all the verses that I'm going to be reading up there. Because the first thing we're going to learn about this story is that it's true. In verse 50, we read this. Now, there was a man named Joseph, a member of the council, So this guy is a wealthy person, a politician, well-known. And he came from the Judean town of Arimathea. In verse 52, we read, going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body. So Jesus is dead. He has been executed, put up on a cross, crucified. And to make sure that he was dead, they had stabbed him in the side with a spear. And the Romans, who are very good at killing people, took down his body. And that's what we read in verse 53 says, then he took it down, Joseph, and wrapped it in linen cloth and placed it in a tomb cut in the rock, one in which no one had yet been laid. This is his private tomb. He's bought it. He's a wealthy guy. That's what you do. You got your own mausoleum. He's got his own tomb. He puts Jesus in it. And in verse 55, it says, the women who had come with Jesus, we're told a little bit later that there's at least five of these women, from Galilee, followed Joseph and saw the tomb and how his body was laid in it. So they watched all this happen, take down the body, wrap it, take it to the tomb, put it in there. We're told in the other gospel accounts that the Roman soldiers were stationed in front of the tomb so that nobody would mess with his tomb of Jesus who had been crucified. So that's what happened. And the women, it says in verse 56, then they went home and prepared spices and perfumes. You see, they loved Jesus, and they wanted to take care of his body after he died. And in those days, what you do would be to take those perfumes and spices and put them on the body so it wouldn't stink. Pretty simple. And then a year later, according to Jewish culture, you would go and take the bones that were left, and you'd kind of put them together in their final resting place. So they were going to go do that. But they had to go home that Friday night because it was late, and the next day was the Sabbath. And 
they were Jewish, so you don't work on the Sabbath. So they had to wait an extra day to get everything ready. And then we pick up the story in chapter 24, verse 1. It says, On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. This is how we know it's true. There was nobody in the tomb. There was nobody in the tomb, okay? Here are these women going to check on the body, and there is no body there. Let me tell you something about the religions of this world. Judaism. Abraham is the founder of the faith. So when Abraham died on Mount Hebron, they took his body, they buried it, and made a tomb. Jews to this day go to Mount Hebron on pilgrimages to weep and to mourn because Abraham is dead. Buddhists. When uh, Buddha died in a town in uh, India... They took his ashes, they buried it, and they built a tomb there. And every year, Buddhists go to visit the tomb of Buddha because Buddha's dead. They weep and they mourn. Let me tell you about Islam. When Muhammad died in Medina, they buried him, built a tomb, and every year, Muslims go to visit the tomb of Muhammad in Medina. They weep and they mourn because Muhammad is dead. Do you know who's in Abraham's tomb? That's not a trick question. Do you know who's in Abraham's tomb? Thank you. Do you know who's in Buddha's tomb? Do you know who's in Muhammad's tomb? Do you know who's in Jesus' tomb? Nobody. There is nobody in Jesus' tomb. There, there still isn't anybody. They couldn't find a body. There was no body. Jesus had risen from the dead. This is the first reason why we know that this is true. Because there's nobody in Jesus' tomb. And what's really fascinating about this story is that this was actually completely unexpected for Jesus' followers. I want to show you this in verse 4. It says, while they were wondering, the women, they're wondering, what the heck happened? Where's the body? Why is the, to the, the stone rolled away? There were soldiers here, and now the stone that weighed some um, 2,000 to 4,000 pounds is just rolled away. And where is the body? They're trying to figure it out. And it says, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. These are angels. And in their fright... They're afraid. The women bowed down with their faces to the ground. Notice how the women didn't know what to find when they got to the tomb. They were wondering what happened. They're afraid of what's going to happen. They had no idea what would happen. And it says, as you finish verse 5, it says, But the men said to them, the angels, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. See, Jesus had predicted multiple times that he would die and on the third day raised from the dead. But this was so far out of the realm of anything they'd ever thought of or seen before that they didn't expect it. It wasn't until after the angels told them this that they are like, oh yeah, that is what Jesus said. Because... Nobody believed in a bodily resurrection in those days. N.T. Wright, a great British historian and theologian, has studied this extensively. He has a great book, The Resurrection of the Son of God, 800 pages. I've read it. It's good. There was nobody in the ancient world who thought or believed in a bodily resurrection. Some Jews thought maybe at the end of time people would be raised from the dead. Maybe. Nobody believed in a bodily resurrection. You may hear on YouTube that other religions believed in a dying and rising people. 
Those all came after Jesus. Go look it up. Seriously, look it up for yourself. They all got their story from this one. Nobody was expecting it. Nobody thought it could happen. This was completely unexpected. And that's another reason why we can know it's true. But to make it even more interesting, this story is pretty embarrassing. It's embarrassing. These women who were followers of Jesus, they didn't remember what Jesus himself had predicted multiple times. And the disciples are even worse because do you know where the, the male disciples are at this point? Not there. Okay, they're crying. They're sad. Their savior, their rabbi, their leader is dead. And they're at home crying. It's all over, guys. They weren't at the tomb waiting. They weren't like, before, before dark, they're like, okay, guys, 10. I see the sun coming up. Nine, eight. Oh, my gosh, this is going to be amazing. Three, two, one. Yeah! They didn't do that. In fact, they didn't believe at all. This is what we read next. It says in verse 9, when the women came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the 11, because Judas, the 12th disciple, had left them, and to all the others. But in verse 11, we see, but they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. The women didn't understand or expect it. The men didn't believe it. If you were going to start a religion, would you have something embarrassing like this as your origin story? No. And not only was it embarrassing for these men to say they didn't believe, but even more so, it was embarrassing in the ancient world to say that the first eyewitnesses were women. It is hard enough in the 21st century for women to be believed. I want you to think about the first century. Josephus was a Jewish historian, and this is what he wrote uh, about this time. And, and he, he wrote this, Do not trust in a single witness, but let there be three or at least two whose evidence shall be confirmed by their good lives. But do not let the testimony of women be accepted because of the flippancy and audacity of their sex. Guys, I didn't say this, okay? This is Josephus. But this is the culture. They weren't allowed to be eyewitnesses. So if you were going to make up this story, would you have women as the first eyewitnesses of Jesus' resurrection? You wouldn't. And not only were they the first ones to the tomb, but Jesus appeared to the women first, and in particular to Mary Magdalene, who we'll get to in a second. You wouldn't make this up. In fact, that's the reason why some people didn't believe in Christianity. The first written account we have of someone attacking Christianity is by a guy named Celsus about 150 years after this. And he wrote that he could not believe this story because of one hysterical woman, Mary Magdalene. That's what he said. It was embarrassing to say that women were the first eyewitnesses. The only reason why you would actually say that is if it were true. It's more than a story. It's true. It's true. But here's the most convincing thing, I believe, is that Luke names names. And it's not just Luke, it's, it's throughout the gospel accounts. But there are names that he lists here. Not only did he talk about Joseph of Arimathea, who was a well-known person, everybody knew him, and they knew where his tomb would have been. They would have known him. But look at the names Luke mentions in verse 10. He says those women, he says it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, who was a woman who had been healed by Jesus, Mary the mother of James, who was one of the disciples, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. Luke named names. You name names because it's true. Luke probably wrote this account of Jesus' life within about 30 years of this death and resurrection. 30 years. 
Now, I want you to think back 30 years ago. Anybody in here remember 1992? Raise your hand if you remember that, okay? Yeah. A few of you, okay. A few of you will admit that, okay? 1992. I remember 1992. Just to refresh your memory, Bill Clinton got elected to the presidency in 1992. The Chicago Bulls won their second NBA championship. And Mark Wahlberg was known as Marky Mark. <laughs> Don't believe me? Look it up, kids. It's true. I remember it personally because I went to go see my first movie in the movie theater with my Uncle Jerry. Went and saw Aladdin. Remember, it came out. And I cried. I, I don't know why, but I cried in Aladdin. I was a kid. But I remember it. I have memories of that. And even if you're here and you don't remember 1992, there's someone around you who does. So if somebody were to claim that there was a man in 1992 who had died been executed, and then three days later, he rose from the dead and appeared to 500 people over the span of 40 days, you'd be like, uh, let me see some proof. Let me talk to the people who saw this. I need some eyewitnesses. That's exactly what Luke thought. And if you read his account, he was a historian and a doctor, a very smart guy. When he heard this story, he went to investigate for himself. And he probably went to these sites, to Joseph's tomb, found it empty. He interviewed these women, probably some of these women. That's why he names names here. What's even more incredible is, yes, Luke wrote his account of Jesus' life within 30 years, when a lot of people, a lot of these people were still alive. You can go ask them. But Paul writes his resurrection account in 1 Corinthians 15, probably about 15 years after this happened. Does anybody remember 15 years ago, 2007? I do. That's when I met my wife, Melissa. That's a good year. I have detailed memories of that year, okay? I remember it. We remember that. And if something had happened that soon, you'd be able to refute it. But Paul names names too, even more. And not just Luke, not just Paul, but Matthew, Mark, and John write their accounts. And Peter writes in his letters all about the resurrection. Within a lifetime, all these people are still alive. There are six different accounts in the scriptures about the resurrection. There are 13 different incidents listed of Jesus appearing to people. There are 15 names that are written down in the scriptures of people that were eyewitnesses. And that all took place over 40 days, and Paul writes that there were actually over 500 people who saw him. See, Luke named names because it's true. This is way more than a story. It's true. It's true. But I think even more powerful than the fact that it's true, because there's a lot of historical events that are true, they happened, but they change nothing about our lives, right? What's more amazing about this story is not just that it's true, but that it's transformational. It changes us. It's transformational. I told you we talked about Mary Magdalene. Let's go there. Verse 10. Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the others who told them about this. Mary Magdalene was the first person there. She was probably the leader of the female disciples at this time. And what we're told about Mary when she's first introduced in Luke, is that she had seven demons. Now, I don't know what kind of evil stuff you have to get into, what kind of sin you have to commit to get seven demons, but it's got to be some bad stuff, right? Okay, some of you have a past. You've done some stuff. You hurt people, broken things. Some of you have been fired for cause. You've been to jail, some of you. But I don't know any of you got a seven-demon past. Do you? Okay, you maybe don't raise your hand. But Jesus took this woman with a seven-demon seven past, loved her, healed her, and then invited her to follow him. And he loved her. 
He was one of the, the, the main disciples, probably the leader of the women of the disciples at this time. And she was the first person that Jesus appears to after he rises from the dead in John chapter 20. She doesn't recognize him because she wasn't expecting anything, right? She thinks he's the gardener when he starts talking to her. Until he says, Mary. She recognizes Jesus. She goes, Rabboni, which is Aramaic for rabbi teacher. She falls and clings to him. Because she was the very first person to see and to touch the resurrected king. And she went back and told everybody else. Do you know who the very first Christian preacher was? A woman? <laughs> okay, just a little bonus point here. For some people that think that Christianity has put down women. Okay, Jesus had female disciples. The very first preacher of the gospel was a woman. So that's just a little bonus point in there right now. Okay, I'm just throwing that in there. You got that one for free today. But this woman is transformed, isn't she? From a seven-demon past to someone who's recorded in all four Gospels, whose name is still spoken of today. Who cares about her past? Because Jesus rose from the dead, proving he can conquer any sin in our past, right? No matter what you've done. Heck, you could have eight demons. Jesus still could heal you. Okay? We know it's true, and it's transformational. It's more than a story. And it wasn't just Mary Magdalene. Paul. He hated Christianity. He hated Christians. And he went and persecuted them, tried to seek them out, throw them in jail, and kill them. But when Jesus appeared to him, Paul got knocked down on the ground and started believing. And he became one of the greatest followers of Jesus in early Christianity. And he planted churches all over the known world and wrote half of our New Testament. He did that because he had been transformed by this story. He knew it was true. And it's not just Paul. James and Jude were two of Jesus' brothers. In the gospel accounts, it says that Jesus' brothers thought he, were, he was crazy. And you would too if your brother started preaching and performing miracles. You're like, what the heck is going on? But they go from thinking Jesus is crazy to becoming his followers. They became leaders in the early church. And there's two books of the Bible called James and Jude because they wrote them. Why would you write a book about your brother as the savior of the world unless he had risen from the dead? See, the resurrection transforms us. It was not just those guys, but the other 11 disciples as well. They gave the rest of their lives to tell people. You want to do that for a lie. But if you had seen Jesus, eaten meals with him, touched his body, you knew he had risen from the dead, you would go to the ends of the earth to tell people about it. And that's what they did. All over the known world. And some of them were persecuted and died because they were willing to tell people that Jesus had risen from the dead. Peter, at the end of his life, history tells us that they were going to crucify him, execute him, for proclaiming the name of Jesus. And he said, I'm not worthy to die in the same way of my Savior. So they crucified him upside down. Why do you do that? Because it's true and it transformed you. It transformed these disciples. And it transformed me too. Some of you have heard my story before, but when I was 18, I got into some trouble. And I had known Jesus, but I wasn't following him. I wasn't walking with him. And I spent the night in jail because I had broken and entered and vandalized and I knew better, right? I was just expecting this divine spanking, like, you know better. But instead, I felt God's grace and forgiveness like never before. I knew he loved me and forgave me in that moment. And I knew that it could be true because he had risen from the dead. And how could I be living that, that way? I need to live a new way, following him in the transformation that's available in the resurrection. And let me tell you this. The resurrection can transform you too. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter how messed up you have been or your life has been, no matter the past, 
eight demons in your past. Jesus doesn't care. He loves you. And he wants to transform you. And he will show that he can forgive you for your sins in the past and give you a new start. And he proves it, not just because he died on the cross, but because he rose from the dead, showing that he he has power over sin and death. It's more than a story. It's transformational. But it doesn't even just transform this life. It transforms our eternal destiny as well. Did you notice that when the women were in the tomb, the angels talked to them, they said in verse 5, why do you look for the living among the dead? You are looking in the wrong place for life because everything around you is death. And let me tell you, our world is filled with death. Everything that we love and pursue will die. I'm serious. Your career will die. Your business will eventually die. You will die. Your friends will die. This week, We had an amazing man in our congregation named Bill Ford pass away this week. And he was here this last Sunday, got to say hi to him, and he's not here today. That could be any one of us. Our world is filled with death. You will die. Everyone around you will die. Even the people that remember you, because we always say, oh, your memory will will live on. No, the people who remember you will eventually die. Those who believe in Jesus Christ and the resurrection will live forever. That's what Jesus said in John eleven twenty five. 25. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. That's what he said. And you know his words are true because he rose from the dead. We can put faith in that. He showed his power. Believing in Jesus not only transforms our lives, but it transforms our eternity, our eternal destinies. And that's why we can celebrate this week, even with Bill's passing, because he's happier now than he ever has been. And he has a restored brain. He has a restored body in heaven, in paradise with Jesus, because he believed in Jesus. The resurrection is way more than a story. It's true, and it's transformational. And I want it to transform you as well. If you're here, I believe every single one of us needs to respond to today's message in one of three ways. Everyone. So pick your response, okay? One, if you're already a follower of Jesus, it's time to stop looking for the living among the dead. Everything around us will die. We need to live the transformed life, the new life, the happier life. Yes, there is better, more happiness, a fuller life available for you now. So if you're a follower of Jesus, come back next week. That's my application for you. Come back next week for the start of our series, How to Be Happy. You're gone. Subscribe online. You're not going to miss any of these series because we need to start walking and living in the resurrection life that's transformative. So that's the first application. If you're already a follower of Jesus, live the transformed life. Two. If you're here and you're saying, wow, I've never heard some of this evidence before. I had wondered about this story, but it was really just a story for me. I still have some questions. That's okay. Still got some doubts. That's okay. What I want you to do, if you have any questions, we want to give you a free book so that you can investigate for yourself, just like Luke did, just like Peter did. Because when Peter heard about this story, he ran to the tomb to see if it was actually empty. He needed to find out for himself, and I want you to do the same. So there's a QR code on the screen up here. You can take out your phones right now. We want to give you this free book. 
It's just a quick form so we can know whether to mail you a physical book or give you uh, an ebook. Okay, your choice. We'll get it for you. Um, just take that QR code. It's on the back uh, of the cards uh, in the seat back as well. So if you have questions, good. But don't just leave it there because it is more than a story. And if there's even just a small chance it's true, you should investigate it for yourself. So that's the second application. If you have questions, if you're curious, you don't know, read that book. It's just 100 pages. You can read that, right? Pretty simple. Okay. All of us, yeah, all the kids are like, yeah, I could read 100 pages. Adults, you got no excuse. So that's the second application. Third application. Some of you have been convinced. You're like, I do think it's true. And I want it to transform me. Maybe it's already stirring in your heart right now. And you're like, yes, I think I believe. You can still have questions. You can still read the book, okay? But if you're thinking, I do believe, it's time to make Jesus your Lord and Savior. In Romans chapter 10, verse 9, it tells us there's a simple way to be saved. It says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Simple. So we're going to give a, a prayer, an opportunity for you to repeat a prayer after me to declare Jesus as Lord. It's not a magical prayer, but it shows what's actually happened in your heart because that's what matters. And if you believe, we want to give you a gift today too. So this is what we're going to do. We have um, some gifts in the back. We have some of the ushers that that are going to come. If you believe, we're going to ask you to raise your hand in the air and we want to give you a gift. And in that gift, there's a little card that you could fill out because Melissa and I actually want to do a Bible reading plan with you to just encourage you to take some, some next steps in this new faith in the resurrection life. So I want to give those of you who do believe that your heart has been stirred by the resurrection story. You say, I think it is more than a story. It's true, and I want to be transformed by it. If that's you, I want everybody to close their eyes right now. And I want those who are already followers of Jesus to repeat this prayer out loud to give courage to somebody who needs to pray it for the first time. And if you're here and do believe, let's say this prayer out loud. Repeat after me. Dear God, I'm a sinner. I need a savior. Forgive me. Save me. In faith, I declare, Jesus is Lord. Fill me with your spirit. Give me the gift of eternal life. Help me to follow you and be transformed. Now with eyes still closed, If you said that prayer and meant it, you are now a believer. I want you to put your hand into the air on the count of three and hold it up. One, two, three. Put that hand into the air. Let's welcome those people. Keep that hand raised. We want to give you a gift. Keep your hand into the air, please, for a minute. Everybody's eyes are closed. Keep your hand into the air. If we can get um, some Bibles over here, these these gifts to people, keep that hand into the air. Um, And I will just pray for everybody as they are passing those around. Um, Dave over here on the side. Um, Lord God, we are just so grateful that you sent your son to suffer and to die on a cross, to take away our penalty through that death, to purchase our forgiveness through your blood. But Lord God, we know that that suffering and that death has power because you rose from the dead. And we remember that today, that it's way more than a story. It's something that transforms us because it's true. And Lord God, we believe and we today as the men and women in here today, we, we praise your name. We declare your glory, and we are so grateful that you suffered and died in our place so we could live the resurrected life. Thank you that it's more than a story. Amen.